This episode is brought to you by Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma. When it's time for an aircraft component inspection, overhaul, repair, or replacement, you need experienced technicians you can trust and friendly service you can count on. Aircraft Accessories of Oklahoma, a family-owned business since 1959, delivers just that. Our techs have real-world experience and provide sales, service, and overhaul for piston engine aircraft accessories. We also have limited turbine capabilities such as fuel pumps, starter generators, and prop governors. And we can overhaul propellers ranging from fixed pitch to turbine. Propeller pickup and delivery service is available. And one more thing, mention this podcast to receive 5% off your next sale, service, or overhaul. Visit aircraftaccessoriesofok.com. This episode is brought to you by Genesis Aerosystems, a Moog company and leading provider of autopilots for rotor and fixed-wing aircraft. The Genesis STEC 3100 Digital Autopilot provides increased safety, decreased pilot workload, and is approved for over 200 makes and models. To learn more about the STEC 3100, visit genesis-aerosystems.com. That's genesis-aerosystems.com. AOPA presents Never Again, True Pilot Stories from the World of General Aviation. In this episode, on a 10-minute VFR trip, a Skylane pilot wanders into unforecast IMC. What to do, land and file IFR, get a pop-up clearance, or scud run? Better decide quickly in Unforecast IMC by Peter Booty. When I ponder all the ways people get into trouble with airplanes, most have to do with obvious lapses of judgment and failures to reduce risk. The rub is that bad judgment and poor decision-making can sneak up on you and swallow you whole, even if you pride yourself on flying conservatively. I am not like the guy who traveled down the East Coast to fetch a cabin-class Cessna twin that was out of annual and for which he had no multi-engine rating. I remember his case well because I was flying with a student near my home base of East Hampton, New York, when I heard the local fire department report on the CTAF that an airplane was down and burning in the village of East Hampton. A pilot like that is asking for trouble. I fly very conservatively. I do not enjoy the dry mouth that comes with an impending sense of terror, especially with passengers aboard. How remarkable it is that I could have met my fate and killed a good friend making a 10-minute VFR trip in a well-equipped Skylane from East Hampton to Gabreski Airport in West Hampton on a February day a few years ago. The nearest terminal aerodrome forecast called for good VFR but with clouds overhead. The trend through the day was for clearing and increasing northwest winds. Both airports reported broken ceilings above 2,500 feet and 10 miles visibility. We found no surprises on the way to West Hampton, but during lunch, the sky darkened a little. When I checked in with a briefer, I found nothing had changed. Decent VFR, for a 10-minute flight anyway, prevailed in the area, and nothing suggested otherwise en route. I considered going home IFR just to get in a little time, but I was wary of ice in the clouds. We took off and turned east under an indefinite ceiling that I had good reason to believe would stay well above us all the way to East Hampton. But at 800 feet, with no visual cues other than the abrupt disappearance of the horizon and the ground, 
We flew right into the clag. I was concerned, but not terribly alarmed. My instrument skills were current, and I had good control of the airplane. There was no ice, not yet anyway. I briefly considered calling the tower, making a 180-degree turn, and descending back toward the airport to sort things out, probably to land and file IFR. I also figured I could get a pop-up clearance from New York Approach if I asked, but something in me resisted. How long could this last? Another minute or two? If I stayed at or below 1,000 feet eastbound, I would not interfere with any IFR traffic, and I'd be well above any obstacles along the way. As a line boy at East Hampton in my college years, I had worked for a VFR-only charter operator whose pilots frequently relied on scud running to complete missions. I was an experienced and careful pilot with about 2,000 hours. Couldn't I pull off the same feat? I knew following the scud running example was not the correct or legal way to proceed, but I only had a few miles to go, and we'd be VFR any second, right? I set the Garmin 496 to show terrain and obstacles and continued to the northeast, intending to fly out over Peconic Bay. Once over the water, I started down, promising myself to descend no lower than 500 feet. We did not break out, so I continued with a growing sense of dread. How far and how low did this mysterious, unreported stuff go? How was I going to get visual again to make the approach into East Hampton if the METAR was wrong? In my growing sense of alarm, I struck on what seemed then like a good idea. I set up for the GPS approach to runway 10 at East Hampton, which was reporting good visibility with 2,500 scattered. Meanwhile, I monitored New York approach for the possibility of conflicting traffic as I proceeded, waiting to break out. I didn't pay much attention to the 496 as I concentrated on the final approach course and descended just a little below 500 feet. I lived in the area and knew it to be low, flat terrain with no towers higher than a couple of hundred feet mean sea level. Sure, there were some tiny hills in the Noyak area, but there was no way we would hit any of them. At that moment, as I took a break from my instrument scan to peer ahead out the windshield, a big tower poked through the clumps of cloud. I'd forgotten all about it. Now it was 12 o'clock, same altitude, less than one mile away. I instantly initiated a bank to the left, just as the English lady in the 496 started crying, Obstacle, pull up, obstacle, pull up. I'd been hoping my trusting passenger had not noticed the mess I had made. Now there was no doubt he knew things were not right. We're fine, I told him. I saw it in plenty of time. I climbed to 800 feet heading northeast, thinking it was well past time to call New York approach and accept the risk of some ice for a nice, safe IFR approach. That's when we flew out of that weird wall of cloud between West Hampton and East Hampton and emerged into sunshine and scattered cumulus. As we climbed to pattern altitude and set up for a landing at nearby East Hampton, my delighted passenger exclaimed what a great pilot I was to have safely brought us home. He was just being nice. I'd nearly killed him, and we both knew it. 
How easy it was to go wrong on such a simple, unthreatening flight. You don't have to be a cowboy to make bad decisions. The more creative thinking in which one indulges at a moment of crisis, the greater the risk one will do something stupid. Always have legal outs for every situation and stick to correct and legal procedures, the way airline pilots do. Don't let circumstances lure you into hemming and hawing about a critical situation. With the case of flying inadvertently VFR into IMC, make that 180 and get back to VFR. If that doesn't work, fly the airplane and call Approach for help. The Never Again Podcast is brought to you monthly by AOPA, the Aircraft Owners and Pilots Association. You can find more Never Again stories online at aopa.org by typing Never Again into the search box. While you're there, check out AOPA's mobile flight planning app, AOPA Go, as well as the many free training and safety courses from the Air Safety Institute. Find all of this and more at aopa.org. The Never Again podcast is produced by Royce Earl. Thanks for listening. Fly safely. Fly safely.